0: Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's tour catch-up,
1: Matteo Berrettini makes it back-to-back titles at Queen's.
0: Hubert Hercash collects his first grass court title in Haller,
1: And Serena Williams takes a wild card into Wimbledon.
0: Today is the 20th of June and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. Wimbledon is just around the corner and everything feels right in the world because, yes, we've had loads of tennis this week, but Serena Williams is going to be coming back onto a tennis court.
1: Somewhere near you. Hurrah. (laughs) Yes. Well, near us, I should say. She'll be... Well, playing this time next week, potentially, on the lawns of SW19. She put up a nice uh, post on social media to announce that. Uh, But she is in Eastbourne this week, I think, playing doubles with Angebor uh, as a wildcard pairing beforehand. So,
0: Kim, I'm not bitter about it at all. I'm not bitter because I got offered a ticket to Eastbourne. And because of the rail strikes in the UK, there was no way for me to get there. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about it at all.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, it's the worst <laughs> rail strikes in decades, apparently, and it's yeah, right when the tennis is on. I mean, how inconvenient! How dare they?
0: Do they not know I need to get to Eastbourne and, and to <laughs> Roehampton for Wimbledon qualifying?
1: You are going to Roehampton tomorrow, though. But I think that you'll is have to very Five buses, yeah. maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's going to take me three hours to get there. But but damn it, I'm I really want to see my round one Wimbledon qualifying matches with all the Brits in action so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna force myself I'm going to make it happen whether yeah as you said it does take six buses hitchhiking an uber (laughs) whatever it is I will be there
1: you will be there Um, well I look forward to hearing all about it and um, yeah it's all it's all going on in the UK and and Europe as well with the grass court tennis so I mean let's begin with with I guess one of the most historic tournaments that we have in the run up to uh, to Wimbledon which is the Queen's Club Championships or the cinch championships I can I I should say still haven't got over the the fact that it's not Arthur anymore I mean this has been years but I just <laughs> Kim that was a long time ago we've had
0: <laughs> We had the red branding, then it went blue, and now we're in this sort of purple And now it's purple, yeah, Yeah. which is
1: nice, because it's sort of Wimbledon-esque. But yeah, um, so anyway, we had the same winner as last year, Matteo Berrettini. One could say this was a very predictable champion, uh, but he came through against, I would say, an unpredictable finalist in Filip Krajanovic, given that Krajanovic hadn't actually won a grass court match before, at least on the tour level anyway. Um, But yeah, 7-5, 6-4, Berrettini defending his title. In fact, he's never lost a match at Queen's uh, because on his two appearances, he has won two titles. So he goes into Wimbledon again, well, unbeaten on grass, having picked up the Stuttgart title last week. So definitely looking like someone very much to watch out for at Wimbledon, uh, especially should a certain Mr Djokovic, you know, fail to perform one day. I would say that Berrettini is looking like a very possible champion.
0: I've got to say, I think based on what I've seen of him over the last couple of weeks, A, I've been surprised at how well he's been playing uh, given, you know, this is straight after coming back from surgery. There's been no sort of tournament to, to get an eye in and building up to to peaking at Wimbledon. It feels like he's been raring to go. And this week it was the same situation as Stuttgart, I felt, you know big serve big forehands and none of his opponents really had an answer to it you know he had a he had a tricky match against Dennis the l- lucky loser who came in due to Andy Murray's absence in the second round but since then um you know it's been straight sets victory after straight sets victory and it was very very impressive i mean i think in the in, in the final against Kranjovic yes i think everyone including the spectators were probably and then himself probably was surprised that, that Kranjevic was there given his, his grass court form going into the tournament. But um yeah, he just didn't really have an answer to Berrettini. He didn't really know, I felt, how to break Berrettini's serve. And, you know, I know we, we talk a lot about the, the backhand wing of, of Berrettini, but I felt like in the finals, particularly his sliced backhand there was some serious, serious bite on it, and it was it was still quite a potent weapon. And I think everyone just assumes like the weakness of Berrettini is to hit to his backhand side, but I do think he covers it up quite well with that that single handed backhand slice. And you know there are love there are a couple of lovely examples. I thought of of also his his shot making at the net, and again he's not a player. I think you just sort of ply it from the baseline and. Can hit you know hit forehand winners and waits for those moments. He certainly can come in and kill the point off at the net as well. So I think there's there's parts to his game that makes me think is he a grass court specialist, Kim? Because I certainly think going into Wimbledon, I would even almost put him as a favourite above maybe Novak Djokovic.
1: Above Novak Djokovic. Well, I think
0: that's going a bit far. Do you think? I mean, we've not even seen Novak Djokovic on a grass court. I mean, he's playing. He's going to be playing in, in Hurlingham in, in London, um, an, an exhibition event. But of the tennis we have seen on the grass court season so far, Berrettini, I feel, has just been in a world of his own, really.
1: Well, rule out Djokovic at your peril, Joel. I mean, no, I mean, Berrettini definitely, yeah, more versatile than I think he's given credit for. I wouldn't say he, I mean... I wouldn't say he's a specialist on grass in the sense that he can't play on other surfaces because he's reached semis at both the AO and the US Open. So we know that he can uh, perform very, very well on all surfaces, including clay, where he's reached the quarters at Roland Garros. So, um, but yeah, he's certainly carving out a very reliable niche on a grass court. I think he's only lost one of his last 21 matches on grass, which would be the Wimbledon final of last year. So certainly with with his last kind of two years worth on on grass courts, you know, he is right up there. I, you know, you'd have to say based on that form that he is, you know, second best to, to know about Djokovic. And perhaps with Djokovic, you know, the only doubt I have about him at Wimbledon, and I won't sort of go on about this too much today because we will be doing a proper preview later in the week, but... You know, we saw at Roland Garros against Rafa, you know, was he physically ready to do, you know, five sets again after not really playing an awful lot this year? I would imagine that by Wimbledon, he's kind of upped his fitness, but perhaps not. Um, you know, perhaps he will still be a, a shadow of a step slow, in which case Berrettini is certainly someone that is just waiting in the wings to to potentially capitalise. Um, and obviously doing what he needs to do in the run-up to to Wimbledon by getting these two titles under his belt and and more, you know, refining his game on a grass court, which is already very good. But just, um, you know, he said going into Stuttgart, he wasn't feeling particularly great. So two weeks on, I think, you know, he'll be very happy with how his return to the game has, has gone.
0: Are you surprised with how well he's acclimatised back to the tour, given, you know, we've seen other players, I think, have, you know, go through surgery, come back onto the tour, and they've really had to take their time, I feel, finding their feet. I mean, even like Dominic Team at the moment mm. is sort of acknowledged that he's got to go back to the, the challenger circuit just to find more match practice. And um, I get that, you know, no, I, I don't feel a lot of injuries can be compared like for like. But mm. certainly for Berrettini, three months off to come back into this groove, almost like he's never left. Have you been surprised by how, how well he's acclimatized himself winning back to back trophies?
1: Yeah, like you said, I think every injury is different, every surgery is different. But I think yeah, he's come back very fresh and fighting and and just in control and, and calm. And um, you know, it would be nice if Dominic team could could have done the same. But obviously, you know, his situations, he was out for a lot longer. I think Berrettini was out for what three months, which you know, still a long time, but um, perhaps not as long as um, you know, to to truly affect him on a greater scale. But um I think, you know, he'll be feeling fit and fresh, hopefully, going into the championships. And um I mean I think he's come back at, at the perfect time. You know, he loves the grass score quite evidently. hungry. Yeah, exactly. He'll be just happy to be back playing again. And I think anything will be a bonus, you know, um on top of that. So um you know unfortunately he will lose his ranking points regardless of what he does at Wimbledon. But I'm sure that's you know, you'd much rather obviously go deep and he's so cool in.
0: though i don't feel like he cares
1: no i think he's just sort of like super chilled you know and he's mm. hugo boss like uh, yeah he's a very my popular chains around my neck with my yeah. cat. <laughs> he's a very popular um you know winner i think at, at queens and uh you know he's well liked
0: by british audiences and i feel like he's the housewife's favorite on the tour
1: you have said this to us before Joel um <laughs> is that something to do with the fact that he's quite pleasant to look at Yeah I, think I don't so. know I think so. probably shouldn't be saying that's probably inappropriate but um you know he no he's a nice fellow isn't he so um I think he goes down very well at you know in the UK and people will remember his his run to the final last year and I'm sure um you know there'll be british audiences at wimbledon will be cheering him on to go one step further I mean it was nice that british audiences had someone they liked to cheer for because as you said uh you alluded to earlier andy murray wasn't there had to pull out uh quite late on with injury and then we didn't see many brits go far apart from ryan peniston he was uh well our last remaining brick got to the uh the semi not the semi-finals, the quarter finals lost to krajanovic uh in three sets so given that krajanovic went on to reach the final i thought that was a pretty good effort from mm. from ryan peniston
0: yeah. i mean that 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 whole top half really did open up with Peniston's win against the top seed Casper rude in the first round. I mean, I remember Kim last week we were, we were talking about why didn't Feliciano Lopez get the, the wild card uh, instead of, instead of Peniston? And uh, yeah, Peniston really justified that decision. Really good win against rude um, in, in two tie breaks and then followed it up against Serendolo in, in three sets. And I think he was a breakdown in that third set. So playing some really, really good tennis. And, um, you know, he had his opportunities against Kranjevic, but, um, yeah, wasn't to be. But a great story for him. Um, you know, I was reading up on his career and, you know, he's you know, 26 years old. He's going to be inside the top 150 this week. So it's been great for him. And he has an interesting story in the sense of, you know, he had cancer when he was a, a child and, you know, he had to go through surgery and chemotherapy. And he's really kind of spoken about his um you know his situation and just being able to kind of raise that as a as a platform given his success i think he spoke about young lives versus cancer as the organization that sent him a very nice message on his uh, on his victories and um yeah it's great to see him i think you know i think realise his his potential because he's certainly been a player who's been around for a while a little bit like cam norrie was on the um the college route into tennis and um, yeah it's great to see him thriving on the you know on the biggest stage on the ATP tour.
1: Yeah and he's got a wild card into Wimbledon so we'll have to see if he can Mm. you know how well he can do there but I mean he's a player that I've known the name but I've never really properly watched him and Mm. I didn't really know a lot about him so yeah really nice that he's been able to share his story and hopefully raise awareness and you know be a bit of a role model as well for you know young people with cancer um, you know talking about what he experienced I think when he was just one year old so um obviously yeah really positive week for for Ryan Peniston um you know Cam Norrie and Dan Evans were out in the first round so it was good that British audiences had um someone to cheer for I mean Jack Draper did get a win over Taylor Fritz which was really good and I've just got him on actually at the moment he's a a set and a break up against Jensen Brooksby. So Jack Draper's form from this year kind of continuing, you know, he's been racking up titles on the challenger circuit. So I think he's in
0: the top hundred now. So is, um... yeah,
1: after that win at Queens. So really, mm. really positive stuff um, from Draper. And obviously we saw him take a set off Djokovic last year at Wimbledon. So we know he loves the grass court and he's already impressed us with what he has, he has shown uh, when he's been given these
0: opportunities. So um one player in that draw though, I was expecting more from. And I it's just not working out for him on a grass court at the moment, because I think he lost today as well. Riley Apelka. I feel like with his serve, he should be doing a lot better than going out in the first round to um, you know, he lost to Alex de Manor, uh in, in Queens, uh, and he lost again today. Just not working out for him at the moment for a player who you would think has, you know, similar to to Berrettini, big serve, big forehand. Great mover around the, you know, the baseline. Not really working out for him at the moment.
1: No, I just wonder if, um you know, he's quite, a I I think of him as quite a like fiery character. So unless he's sort of not quite zoned in, uh, in the right way at the moment. I don't know. But yeah, he got kind of whooped by Maxime Cressy at Eastbourne today. Mm. and Yeah, I, I was the same. Maybe his thought, beard's
0: weighing him down.
1: <laughs> maybe he needs a shave. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, uh, also, yeah, Francis TFO got bageled uh, in the third set by Bublik today. It's another player that, you know, I, I like to see mm. do well, but it isn't really doing that well at the moment. But um Perhaps he'll surprise us at Queen's. Now we've sort of slagged him off a bit. He'll probably (laughs) pick up his ears, just like Penniston when we said he shouldn't have got that wild card. He uh, goes on to prove us completely wrong. (laughs) But um, I mean, yeah, so Berrettini, Lovely stuff, winning Queen's the second year in a row. But, I mean, from one Wimbledon contender to perhaps another Joel, uh, we had Haller out in Germany, as as usual. Uh, and Hubert Hercas, uh won this one uh, in very uh, impressive fashion in, in the final, to be honest. Well, all week he was impressive, but he had to fight through some earlier rounds. But, um, yeah, 6-1, 6-4 against Daniel Medvedev. He was at 1.6, well, no, he was at 1.5 love up when I think I tuned in. And he was six one, and then a breakup. And I thought, oh gosh, he's absolutely annihilating Daniel Medvedev. This is really impressive stuff. Um, it's his first title on grass, his fifth career title overall. He'll be back into the top ten, um, this this week, I think. Um, and I mean, given the fact that he reached the semis of Wimbledon last year, he's in my top five for title contenders. Yes. Given what we've seen from him this week, for sure. Yes,
0: certainly another player who's you know, there or thereabouts at, at Wimbledon and uh, you know, it was very impressive throughout the week, I think, for for Herkaz, because he came through Ozia Aliasim in the quarters. He beat Umber as well, who's the defending champion in the second round, and then he had a really tight match against Nick Kyrgios in the semi-finals. And, you know, both players you'd say are complete, I think, opposite ends personality-wise, you know, Kyrgios, very combustible on the tennis court, whereas Herkaz is like your sort of smooth operator very calm very chilled I actually think his mental approach to the game is one of his biggest assets along with his serve and you know it was a very tight match against against Kyrgios I thought Kyrgios actually was going to nick it in that, that second set tie break but you know he's another player like Berrettini serves very very well moves very very well and um, you know he's a great volleyer and he's got great I feel great feel and a great touch at the net and um, you know Medvedev in the final again, came up against someone who's playing some really inspired tennis. <laughs> you know, he's now lost back-to-back finals, uh, losing to the Dutchman, Dutchman of the moment. Tim Van Richthofen? Richtho- I've forgotten
1: his name already. You've forgotten his name already. Oh. He's not obviously that important to you, Joel. Tim Van Reithhoven, I think. Tim
0: Van Reithhoven, there you go. There you go. But, you know, it, it was, though, it was quite funny, Kim, because her cash. he was obviously playing well because Medvedev, got so angry that he shouted at his coach and his coach walked off at that's the start of that. The that's not that the happen. first time we've seen that happen. That's not the first time we've seen that happen. But I think that's... I'm giving the credit there to Hrkaj in terms of how well he was playing. And yeah, I do think there was a sense that Medvedev just was not able to get his his game together. But I don't think that was completely the whole story. I just think Hrkaj was you know he executed his plan perfectly and uh in particular I think on the Medvedev serve a shot I think you know Medvedev would expect to get quite a few free points on, you know, when he's you know in his service games. But Herkash was his return game was just very, very impressive. It just felt like he was in like most points really and he always was having a shot at breaking Medvedev. And um yeah for me that was the real kind of platform that he laid to to go on and, and win the match.
1: Yeah, I think in the first set, Herkaj um, re- literally returned every single serve. He, he didn't <laughs> fail at, at any point. So, Medvedev obviously getting very frustrated. Um, I think statistically, it was one of the worst um, serving performances in terms of points won off the first serve. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Hubert Herkaj was just a bit of a beast uh, when, I, when I saw him. He was just getting everything back and... Like, really, really good performance. And I just hope he keeps it up because, you know, he did so well last year at Wimbledon. Obviously, perfect game for grass, really. Um, big serve himself. So
0: It's funny how Medvedev is getting to these finals, but he's developing this issue. I don't think he's had a great record in finals this season. I mean, he's lost his last two. I think there's been a few more as well. Um, Australian, Australian Open. Open. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, like, the Australian Open final. Um, I mean, but, yeah, there's, do you think there's a worry there in terms of, why he's not being able to bring his best game onto the the biggest stage?
1: Maybe, I mean, when you play up against someone who's obviously returning like a demon, like her was, I suppose it's mm. it's very hard to to combat. But I mean, especially last week, that was very surprising, given mm. you know Tim van Rijhoven as a as a wild card and so lowly ranked. I mean. Yeah, if these if it keeps happening, I mean, if he gets to the Mallorca final this week and loses, it's then he would be worried that he hasn't been able to do it in a single you know championship match because you want to when push comes to shove you want to you know assert yourself. We know he can do it; he's he's won a Grand Slam. But um, yeah, perhaps it's I don't know a lack of preparedness or just you know him losing the plot slightly when he goes yeah. to set down and thinking, oh, what did you, you know, make
0: of that? Because he got really angry. And his coach, and his coach walked off. Um, I think I was. I watched a clip of it. There were some unsavoury comments made by the coach as uh, as he walked off. And uh, yeah, it was uh, not uh, not great to see. Something we have seen before. But like, what's your what's your take on that? Do you like to see that, or do you think he's his coach? Like, he should be there through through thick and thin. No.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's the, doesn't seem like the most supportive of of coaching player relationships. You mm. know, one player's shouting, you know, sorry, Medvedev's shouting at him and then he's walking out and perhaps, you know, he knows that if he was to stay watching, it, it would just anger Medvedev up more. I, I don't know, you know, I'm not privy to their ins and outs, but I don't know, maybe, I don't think anger is is really the way I would want to work anger and aggression and sort of dispute and conflict but perhaps it's all a bit for so A we love hate relationship <laughs> we know how volatile yeah Medvedev can be <laughs> on a tennis court so we've kind of become used to it, it you know it doesn't look very good for the sport particularly you know it's not really inspiring confidence um but perhaps down the line we might see a change in in this relationship
0: and Kim one other thing that It's not good for the sport that happened in that final. We had another protester Mm. just seemingly walk on, try and tie themselves to the net. They didn't get as far as when it happened at the French Open. But again, it just was not not the best look for for Haller. It it just felt like there was two security guards there on site. And um, yeah, it was a bit, I mean, it was a bit more comical, if I'm being quite honest. But again, it's just something that just should not be happening and yeah, I was I was a bit surprised by how few security they had there. I don't know if they were sort of resting on their laurels a bit, like that, just assume all the crowd would just stay in their place and that's that. But uh, it felt quite open, and it was a bit silly, I think, to see yeah another person just sort of run onto the court and do another i think it was another environmental protest
1: yeah obviously maybe inspired by the one at what was it roland garros semi-finals i think wasn't it men's semis yeah i (laughs) i mean we're gonna perhaps see more and more of these sort of lone incidents uh let's hope not i mean hopefully tournament security you know each venue will be considering these if people are kind of going to be doing copycat ones i don't know but um yeah i think it needs to be well, obviously, security should always really be as strict as possible, um, given we've seen incidents in the past. But yeah, slightly worrying scenes, definitely, um, in that regard. Um, and then I, going back to the tennis, Joel, worrying players for Wimbledon. Nick Kirios, as you said, doing very well reaching mm. the semis here.
0: It's going to be unseeded.
1: Yeah, he's not going to be seeded at Wimbledon. Oscar Otter also has made two semis. On grass in the last two weeks, he won't be seeded, and he's not someone you'd want to play in the no. first round if you're a, a higher-ranked opponent. So, um, we saw him against, you know, Andy Murray last year, that infamous second-round match. So he obviously loves the grass court and just sort of rocks up to to play well on grass. Is he
0: is he the new Dustin Brown? I kept thinking about this when I was watching his semi-final against uh, Medvedev. Because he just seems, I feel, to me anyway, he's a guy who I just now just associate with the grass court season. And um, his game is very, very well suited to the grass courts. And, uh, and a player who, you know, he was so close to that upset against Andy Andy Murray at Wimbledon last year. Wasn't able to quite get it, get it done. But he's another player who, you know, I'd be looking at in the draw if I'm a seeded player thinking, oh, I really hope I don't get Oscar Otter near me because another player who on his day can cause quite a few problems and uh you know he came through Karen Kachanov and bash/villy as well and also Kekmanovic in the first round so yeah I don't I think he's quite a dangerous character to come across um if you're in uh if you're at Wimbledon
1: yeah, definitely. Definitely one to watch out for. And I love uh, also just looking at the draw, there was a bloke from Germany, a wild card called Henry Squire,
0: <laughs> which
1: I just think sounds like he should be in some kind of, I don't know, uh, English, like. Um, I think know, period drama. Period drama, yes. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can Henry see it now. Squire. I can see
0: it now. But I mean, it wasn't great, though. I mean, Kim, it wasn't great, though, for Stefanos Tsitsipas. No. I mean, we spoke about Caspar Rude, top seed at Queens, going out in the first round. Stefanos Tsitsipas, who is also, like Rude, going to be in the top four seeds at Wimbledon, he went out to Nick Kyrgios in the second round. I mean,. I'm looking at the seeds for Wimbledon Kim, for the men particularly, and I'm thinking Rude and Sisipas, on the form they're in at the Mm. moment, I would be amazed if both of them get to week two.
1: I mean, how far outside of the seedings is Kyrgios? Because you know in the past they've sort of done their funny wilderness and men the seeding thing, which I don't think they really do anymore. But if he was just, I think he's too low down, but if he was literally just on the cusp if I was Wimbledon I would bump him up to be a seed um but I don't think that's obviously going to happen I just hope he avoids Rafa um anyone else is welcome to him but I don't particularly you know want him to face Rafa in the first round that would just be a nightmare um But yeah, he's definitely, oh, everyone will be looking to see where he is in the draw. Uh, (laughs) I mean, let's have a look at the ladies' action from the last week as well, because unfortunately, two very disappointing finals um, from both of the tournaments in Berlin and Birmingham, both ending on a retirement, uh, which, you know, we do tend to see a bit more, you know, the, the weeks leading up to, to Grand Slams, people were extra cautious. They obviously want to be there at the slam competing. Um, But in this case, we we did get a set at least in in Berlin. On Jabor won uh, because Belinda Bencic retired 2-1 down in the second set after dropping the first set 6-3. Uh, at the end of the first set, she basically uh, did her ankle in, uh, got an ankle injury. And at the end when she did finally call it a day, I know they were going to get her a bucket of ice to uh, to put it in immediately. So obviously very unfortunate circumstances to end the week on. But um, yeah, Anjabor y- y- is the champion. She now comes over to to Eastbourne to play here. But um, yeah, it's her second court title because she won Birmingham, I think, last year. Uh, her second title of the season. And, you know, she's obviously been doing very, very well lately, picking up a few titles and getting to finals. Whether that's going to be you know Mm. that form is going to be carried through into Wimbledon I'm not sure but obviously a good positive week generally on the grass for Jabour fans
0: yeah because I mean she's up to I think world number three and it it, it was like we were in like a copycat situation in terms of the French Open and the build-up she you know was playing very very well um you know so won that title in Madrid And then went out in the first round, um, you know, at the French Open. And uh, I think it's great to see her bounce back. You know, I I think I I like to think of Anjabour as a player who doesn't get phased by adversity. I think she actually revels in it. And even though she had, you know, moments where, yeah, she might have a surprise defeat. It's great to see her bounce back in this way. And, you know, this was her first tournament post French Open and um, I think it was only her second ever tournament as the top seed and again she had to come through some very stiff competition she had Carolina Mukova in the first round and then she had Coco Goff as well in the semi-final Gough would have been extra motivated for that match because I think she had won she would have been in the top 10 for the first time but um, on the doing very very well but um, yeah I think she will be looking at Wimbledon thinking I don't want this to end in another first round defeat like it did at the French Open because she's on some real rem- momentum at the moment and she wants to continue that through. But um, it didn't quite work out for her in the clay season. But hopefully it can do so on on the grass. And uh, this was a, a, a great tournament for her. And Kim, excitingly for her, she gets to play doubles with Serena Williams. I know, what a treat. What a treat. Mm. I mean... Going over to Eastbourne just to play the doubles. I yeah. Mean, t- taking herself out <laughs> of the singles. That's the Serena Williams effect, isn't it?
1: Well, it's probably the only time in her career that this opportunity is going to present itself, given the fact that Serena's <laughs> likely to retire soon and, you know, they haven't played before. So, I mean, and also, yeah, she's had obviously a solid week here, doesn't want to overdo it. You know, perhaps learning from the Roland Garros experience, perhaps she was a bit burnt out and couldn't give it all, her all in that first round. So um, I think that's a sensible move.
0: And I think with Bencic as well, I think she... Talked about how you know she had come through four three set matches. Mm, a lot of she tennis. said, "I think her, I think she said her legs were a bit tired, and as a result, that was one of the contributing factors for her legs giving way for that rolled ankle." I mean, she looked like she was. Um, yes, she was crying in the moment, but I think she was smiles by the end. So I'm hoping she will be fit and ready for Wimbledon because she's another player who again played some very good tennis in that week, particularly. That semi-final against Zachary was a, a real tense, tense affair, really tight affair. But um, I think she got a lot of tennis in, perhaps arguably a bit too much. But yeah, Jabor came was the ultimately the winner.
1: Scoreline of the week got to go to Pliskova and Kanepi first <laughs> round. Uh, so Kanepi won the first set on a tie break and then Pliskova double bang- bageled her. Uh, six love six love to win the match. so I, well, I don't know what was going on there, but, um, yeah, it was amusing when I saw that on the live scores app.
0: <laughs> I think Pliskova hit seventeen aces in that match. and I think Berlin was easily her best tournament this year. She got to the quarterfinals. she obviously she got to the Wimbledon final last year, so I think she'll be a bit relieved that she's you know made, you know actually shown some form this season because again, I know she was the fourth seed going into here, but even fair to get to the quarterfinals, I think that was a that's a good week for her. So um, I think she'll be happy going in the right direction with Wimbledon, given given what happened last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, bet she wished she'd served seventeen aces in that Wimbledon <laughs> final, but no, I mean, she yeah, she obviously did do extremely well at Wimbledon last year, and I think it's easy to forget that, and uh, mm. so perhaps, you know, one to watch again going into the championships next year. Uh, Next year? Next week, even. Just missing out this year's one, bypassing it. Um, We also had Birmingham, which, as I alluded to, also a retirement in the final. Uh, We didn't even get a set of tennis um, in this one. But caveat there due to the rain on the saturday they did play both semi-finals on the sunday so i guess spectators had already had a fair bit of tennis before this disappointing final uh, but yeah we had a beatrice hadad maya versus um zhang shui final uh and that ended after nine games five four up um hadad maya was when zhang retired so um I think it was a neck injury that, mm. um or back neck injury, which meant that she um had to retire, which was a bit of a shame because she did actually go um two love up and had chances to mm, to, go, to three go three love up, three in, up in the final, did Zhang? But uh had my break back and then obviously it was uh, not long after that that uh, Zhang retired. They are actually, I think, good friends. Uh they played and won the the Nottingham doubles title the week before. So obviously they you know know each other pretty well and it was all you know, hunky dory at the net. Um, but yeah, haddad Meyer hasn't lost a match uh, on grass this year. She's she's ten and zero. She uh, two titles on the trot. Uh, is she a, a new grass court specialist? I mean, she's going to be. I think she's now going to be. She the or new order. Alison Risk? Is yeah. she the new
0: Alison Risk? Yeah, no, she um, she's been playing some great. T- I mean, that semi final against Simona Halep. Simona mm-hmm. Halep did not play a bad match um, in that no. semi final. But haddad Meyer's just you know i think she's just very confident she's very assured she's very accurate with um you know her groundstrokes and uh yeah it's been really really impressive and you know she's gone from i think around 50 in the world to a, a seeding at wimbledon and um you know i think she was she's just been playing very very well i think in that match against Halep i think Halep maybe was a little bit surprised by the the aggression that that Haddad played with felt like Halep was a lot of the times on on the back foot in the in the points, and it was more kind of counter punching and counter attacking. But yeah, Haddad Maya the level of aggression she showed, I think, is one of the reasons you know she's been able to win a lot of matches over the you know over the last couple of weeks. And when you kind of combine that with the the accuracy. She's been playing with. Um, it's yeah. It's led to some really devastating victories. I mean, she beat Georgie as well in the in the quarterfinals, and then came through Kvitova as well in in the first round. So it just shows that she's not afraid to go toe to toe with these sorts of players, and more or less, she's coming out on top.
1: Yeah, no, really fantastic and totally unexpected and I think having a seeding at Wimbledon is is very well deserved um mm. because otherwise she would have been, you know, a, definitely a danger woman to to have potentially for a, a top seed in the draw but I mean she again this is where it's the, the seeding on the especially on the women's side perhaps also in the men's side at the moment it's it's not really reflective of reality. You know, if they, if they did it based on current form, they would all look completely different, which obviously they, they can't and they, they don't do it like that. But um she would be, you know, right up there on, on current form. And um like you said, Hallep, you know, great week overall, you know, just missed out really. Otherwise I think, you know, I would have been obviously looking for her to be the, the champion and, and also Castella as well. Like great week for her getting to the, the semis. Katie Balter didn't do too badly either. You know, she she lost out to Hallep but
0: First quarter final in yeah, uh, first quarter showing. final at WTA tour level and she beat Caroline Garcia Kim
1: I know I know straight sets as well
0: <laughs> I mean it wasn't such a good week for the top seed Yelena Ostapenko who I think is no more from this tournament from what she said post match against Rebecca Marino Kim she said my level today was way better than her and I showed it I mean what what lovely what lovely language and what lovely comments to talk about to your to talk about your opponent did the spectators love it no they did not
1: I mean <laughs> it's yeah it's not exactly a, a a comment that sort of showers you with humility <laughs>
0: Straight out of the Ostapenko playbook of post-match ceremonies.
1: Yeah, she then went and lost to Yastremska but she did win the doubles title. Um, but that was partly because Zhang, you know, pulled out of the um, the doubles final with, with Merton. So Ostapenko and Ludmilla Kichenok uh, won that title. Uh, but yeah, lots of retirements going on uh, on the women's side. Unfortunately, in the finals as well, which is not what we want to see. But, you know... But you can't help it, I suppose, if you have a, uh, a sudden injury that comes on. And you want to save yourself uh, for Wimbledon, especially Zhang. You know, she's a top, top doubles player. So she's obviously got to think about multiple draws coming up as well. Uh, But let's take a quick break now. Do join us in the second half where we'll be talking about Serena Williams taking a wild card into Wimbledon. Uh, The USTA announcing that Russians will be allowed to compete at the US Open. And also looking at the final grass court events before the big championship starting next week. So do not go anywhere. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim sponsored by DownloadTennis.com and let's move on to I think Joel we should have a mysterious player uh, which we haven't had in a while Mm. and um, I think it's I think the person that I've thought of came into my mind because they're for me quite synonymous with Wimbledon which is just around the corner and um I always remember watching them. Well, not always, but the odd occasion watching them at Wimbledon when I was a wee girl growing up. So maybe that's. Oh, it's not Alison Risk. It's It's not not Alison Risk. Risk. Okay,
0: all right. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay. Right. Let's uh, let's give it a go. So yourself and the listeners can play along, and uh, we'll see how you get on. Ready? I'm ready. Okay. Perfect. I was born on the 23rd of July,
0: 1981. Okay, 81, so 91, 01, 11. So it be like 40-odd. Um, so you grew up with them playing. Um, Anna Ivanovich. <laughs> hmm. Actually, Anna forty. she she will be offended (laughs) that I've just said that she's 41 years old.
1: Yeah, I think she might be a little bit. It's not Anna Ivanovich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. I, well, my career high singles ranking was number 13 in the world, which I reached in July 2006. Mm,
0: 2006. Career high 13. Um, I'm gonna say Fernando Gonzalez.
1: He's surely been higher than 13, but yes, no, it's not Fernando <laughs> Gonzalez. <laughs> um, surely he was a top five player at one yeah, point. Yeah, he probably was.
0: Anyway. I was, do you know what? I was panicking and I was like, I need to give an answer. <laughs> and I was like, I'll think of everyone's favorite, favorite Chilean.
1: I have one. Two career singles titles on the
0: ATP tour. Mm, okay, so you know it's a bloke. God, two thousand and six career high thirteen. Maybe they're French player because I feel like there were lots of French players at that time, but they didn't necessarily break the top ten. Um, Nicholas Kiefer. <laughs>
1: Good shout, but but no, it's not Nicholas oh. Kiefer. Um. Okay, right. Next clue. I reached three quarterfinals at Grand Slam events. So the Australian Open in 2008, Wimbledon in 2006 and the US Open in 2005.
0: Can you just repeat that, repeat that yeah. again?
1: Yeah, so three Grand Slam quarterfinals are my best showing. Quarterfinal of the Australian Open in 2008, Wimbledon in 2006, and the US Open in 2005.
0: Mikhail Yuzhny? <laughs>
1: Incorrect. <sighs> but that's that's actually a decent shout, because I think he may very well have got to one of those quarters as well in the same year, but it's not him. Um,
0: I feel like I'm getting closer.
1: Yeah, I I think the next few clues. uh, Okay. Okay, the next one, you probably won't get it from this, but the ones after that are much easier. Um, I am notable for winning the shortest recorded Masters-level tennis match in Open Era history, defeating Bernard Tomic in just 28 minutes.
0: <laughs> I know this Kim. Oh, you do know. I do know, okay. know this. I do know this. I feel like this match goes down long in infamy. I wouldn't have um... known
1: like who the opponent was. I could have guessed Tomic
0: as like who lost the match, but <laughs> is it Yarko Nieminen?
1: It is. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> my next clues were going to be like, you know, I'm the only person from my country to have won a ATP singles title. My wife is a top ranked badminton player in, in Finland. Blah, blah, blah. So plenty of other clues I could have given. But yeah, well, that's impressive knowledge, Joel, because I wouldn't have remembered that he was the one that beat Tomic in that match.
0: So good knowledge. Um, he let, played let, Nadal at Wimbledon. Do you, play, um, do, you play, do you lose someone in five sets like a Federer or a Nadal?
1: Or well, he I lost to up? the match I remember was against Tim Henman at, at Wimbledon. I think they had a quite a close match, a five setter with Tim Henman, I think.
0: Okay. I believe.
1: Okay. Um. You might be confusing him with Robin Sodling when he had that annoying oh, match yes. over like five days because of all the rain with, with Rafa in 2007. Yes, mm. yes
0: I, probably, probably.
1: But also, um, this is on Yarko Nimanim's Wikipedia. Apparently, he came out of retirement in 2016 to play for his country at Davis Cup against Zimbabwe and he won with a triple bagel. I don't, it doesn't oh, wow. say against who, but obviously it was six love, six love, six love. So. I think that's quite a... Maybe he was thinking, oh, she'll stay out of retirement if I'm winning this easily. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's move
0: on. Let's move on, Kim, to passing shot mailbag time. Steve got in touch with us on email and he asked us this question. With defending Wimbledon champion Ash Barty retired and absent from this year's event, who should take her place and open play for the women on opening Tuesday? Oh, great question, Steve.
1: Do you know, I don't know what the actual
0: uh, protocol is.
1: Is it? Is it usually... Forget um,
0: protocol, Kim. I want, I want your answer.
1: Wimbledon's all about protocol, Joel. You can't just rock <laughs> got, up in... We've
0: got to break the rules. ...outfits.
1: Um, well, is it not perhaps normally the current world number one? Uh, perhaps. Oh, okay. So, Sviontek. Or it could be, yeah. I mean, a Simona Halep would be a, a nice... Um, uh, you know, nice suggestion because she wasn't able to open up after winning it in 2019. Some people might argue that Serena, just because she's Serena, should, should do it, but I, I don't think that that's appropriate personally in this situation. Um, and then what? This is for Tuesdays, isn't it? It's always the women on Tuesday opening up. Um, maybe Pliskova from last year as the finalist. What, what? What would you go for? Who would you go for?
0: I, as as tempting as it is right now to say Serena Williams, I do think that wouldn't be very fair on mm. someone like Simona Halep, who is a previous champion and didn't get that opportunity because of the pandemic and the championships not being played. So I think that would be a very nice gesture and I think it would be warranted given she just didn't have that opportunity. So uh, yeah, I think I would be leaning towards uh, uh, yeah, Simona Hallett. I think if Ser- I wouldn't have any issues. I think if Serena Williams was offered it, but you know she's got a she's got a wild card. I feel like it would be a bit bit, bit sideshow, a bit more pantomime-y, I think if they then went and said and she's going to play the first match um, on the opening Tuesday. I mean that's a lot of pressure. I mean she's not played in over over twelve months, so. I would I would go Simona Halep as uh, as the previous champion before Ash Barty.
1: Yeah, I would go for that Austrian tech because I think um, mm. I think that's what maybe what they've done before is is do the world number one because I'm sure this has happened before where the winner couldn't open up, and I I think it might have gone to the world number one, but I guess it might depend also on on the draw who who's got a you know possibly the most exciting match out out of the two of them, you know, who's playing on what day. So we'll, we'll see. might be a nice surprise, but, um, whoever is given the honor, I hope they, they enjoy it. (laughs) Um, but yeah, thank you Steve for getting in touch. Listeners, if you've got any other questions for, for us here at Tennis Weekly, do let us know on social media or dropping us an email because we, uh, love to always answer your, uh, very interesting questions sometimes. Uh, we get some ones that I just can't think of an answer to off the <laughs> top of my head. I have to really give it some thought. Um, but talking about Serena being back at Wimbledon, yes, yeah, she did announce this this past week that she will be at Wimbledon. Hasn't played since she retired in the first round last year. I was trying to think actually when that it was the last time she played and now I do remember uh, she had that sort of, was it an ankle thing? She sort of twisted it, and it was yeah, not not a pleasant sight. So, it's been a a year since she's been out, but um, I, I had no expectations. I think personally for for what she can do, I don't know how much she's been training in the in the run up to this, but she obviously feels ready to to get go on to a court again. Um, and we'll see her in Eastbourne with with Jabor prior to that. Uh, Don't think Venus is going to be there. uh, But I mean, what are you expecting from Serena? Do do you think she can get a couple of wins under her belt? I mean, that's feasible. Depends on the draw, I
0: suppose. uh, Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it'll be a lot clearer um, once. I think, first of all, we've seen her in action um, in, in Eastbourne just to see where her level is at. Yes, she's playing on a, on a doubles court, but just to see her back out there, I think we'll get an idea of of of, of where her game is. And, I, you know, I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be easy. And certainly as a wild card, she could come up against, she could come up against Iga Svantec in, in the first round, who knows? But um, yeah, I think I'd like to think that given her prowess at this event, Given how much you know, she loves playing on a, on a grass court. I certainly hope that we can see maybe, hopefully, just at least one more victory there. Because the, you know, the last time she was there, it was a it was a painful sight to see. You know, she slipped on the court. There were cries of anguish. Um, she went off, and it just didn't feel like the way you wanted Serena Williams, you know, legend of the game, to you know to exit the the tournament even potentially exit her her career so to see her just come back on you know and stepping out what i would assume to be onto center court is you know going to be great i think the tournament also needs it um, you know we've we've not we're not going to have some personalities there because of you know retirement like ash barty but also because you know russians and Belarusians won't be there like medvedev and and azarenka um Federer obviously not there Dominic team so I'm actually quite glad into from that from that perspective as a as a fan favorite it's great to see um you know Serena back but um yeah I don't think we're talking about this in the sense of Serena Williams this is going to be her moment to break Margaret Court's all-time record for uh you know grand slam singles victories I don't think it's like that I think this is more you know Oh, I'd like to think it's probably more of a one-off. I'd be curious to see what you know the the American hardcore season has in store for her, and if she goes on and plays the U.S. Open. But she's certainly going to need to be relying on wildcards to get them in. And yes, she will probably be granted those. But um, it doesn't feel like a sustainable, you know, sustainable strategy in the long term. Um, you know, you just got to look at Andy Murray, who's you know taken them, he's got his ranking back up, and then doesn't need well hopefully won't need them anymore going forward but um yeah for Serena I feel like it's just a nice moment for her to just get back and almost I think make peace with uh you know centre court given what happened last time
1: yeah I think so I think maybe it's it's yeah just wanting to right some wrongs not that it was a a wrong but it was obviously like a Mm. nasty experience so um yeah wishing her all all the best um other Wimbledon news uh really exciting invitational legends tournament uh or the doubles we have you know obviously past champions and past players coming back uh there's some really exciting pairings um and actually I'm kind of annoyed I'm, I'm not planning to go in in the second week because one of my favorites Joel is uh is playing in the Invitational Doubles. Freddie Nilsson is back with Johnny Marais, reliving their glory of 10 years I ago. I, I mean, this is great for like second week action. They're normally, you know, out on the sort of court 18 or something and you can just sort of get in and it's, you know, easier to get in. And I would love to go and see um, them play. Maybe I will be able to, but... um, yeah, I mean, Laura, Laura Robson as well is playing with Hunter Kim,
0: It doesn't feel fair The Brian Brothers are also going to be playing. Oh yeah, the Invitational Doubles. Like they're that still, just doesn't. That doesn't. There's, I still feel still like they quite, could come back onto the tour.
1: They're quite fresh, aren't they? Still, <laughs> I mean, Tommy Haas as well. Um, you've got Baghdatis. I mean, even Xavier Malisse and like Gilles Muller, they've only just retired. I swear, like this. It's not the sort of invitational doubles of old, is it? With the uh, the older generation. So, yeah, really good stuff. Yankovic uh, is playing with Radvanska in the women's one. Panetta and Schiavone. Uh, Really good stuff.
0: Does this actually mean Radvanska is coming back to the tour? I feel like it's like the mm, eternal, maybe. the eternal rumour over the last six months or the worst kept secret. Is Agnieszka Radvanska coming back? Is she launched? Is she trying to do a Kim Klysters-esque come back to the tour because she keeps she keeps flirting she keeps teasing like her playing tennis on on social media and you know this is maybe the next step some invitational doubles with Yelena Yankovic, maybe we'll see, but uh, very interesting, stuff.
1: Yeah, I saw a bit of her sister the other day against Heather Watson at uh, Eastbourne. Heather Watson able to get the win in the end, but um, yeah, perhaps Agnieszka will be making a return. We'll see how it goes. Uh, speaking of Grand Slams as well, the US Open has also been in the news because they have announced that they will be, will be allowing Russian and Belarusian players to compete. So Daniel Mevedev will be able to defend his US Open title. Um, so we won't have this kind of ranking points debacle that we've had at Wimbledon, <laughs> which is is, is good. Um, uh, but one debacle we potentially may have is a vaccine debacle uh, a la Australian Open. Um, potentially, I say, because at the moment the USTA Um, well, at the moment, the United States are not allowing unvaccinated people to enter the country. So as it stands, Djokovic will not be able to play. Uh, The USTA have said they will not be allowing any exemptions, so they don't obviously want what happened in Australia to occur. Um, Obviously, there's still two months until the US Open gets underway. So the government may change their their guidance between now and then, or perhaps Djokovic may get vaccinated. I don't know. Um, But yeah, this isn't good news for for Djokovic i suppose if he's not going to be able to compete uh, to try and add to his grand slam tally but still a long way to go it it may change um
0: i feel like it's going to change i feel that, like oh, yeah like i i understand and i think it's it's smart that they've announced this information now i think we've seen how this can be handled poorly um you know with the you know the australian open and you can imagine the USDA being like, we don't want to be in a situation where we're Djokovic gets deported from the United States at border control. So then the fact that they've announced this in advance and they've not putting out any sort of controversial statement in terms of seeking an exemption, then I think, yeah, it's a it's a smart move from them. Um, I do, I just ultimately do think that Djokovic will will be there, but it will be because of the government changing their kind of decision-making as opposed to the USTA. And, um, you know, there is obviously time for, for things to to change. But, um, yeah, I think it's good that they've sort of announced this now so that fans have that expectation, the media has that expectation. And hopefully, Kim, as I said, we're not going to get into a silly situation of Novak Djokovic taking a flight, putting an Instagram post up uh, with his bags packed and and then, yeah, being denied a, a passport control.
1: Yeah, we really don't need that farce all over again, do we? As as entertaining as some people may have found it, it was all a bit of a disaster. Um, But let's look ahead to... Well, the, well, let's. It's already underway. The, the last week of tournaments before Wimbledon, but let's just quickly cover what we have going on this week. We've got the Mallorca Championships, which is now men only, isn't it? I think since the last couple of years, Mevedev's the top seed there. Uh, he'll be hoping to finally get a win, I guess, un- under his belt. Uh, it it's past second seed Shapovalov and PCB also there. Um, yeah, I mean. <sighs> Looking at the draw, I'd expect Medvedev to uh to go deep, but he may have a Nick Kyrgios in the third round, mm. which will be uh an interesting. Him. I match. thought
0: I thought you were gonna to say to me you were expecting Medvedev to get to another final and then and then and lose. lose and be and be runner up, <laughs> which yeah, I could see but yeah, Nick Kyrgios Uh, in the draw on a special exemption. Yeah, he's going to be quite dangerous, unseeded. I do, Kim, I do love, I do enjoy whenever we we record on a Monday evening, there are inevitably some results that have already happened.
1: Like Feliciano Lopez. Exactly,
0: exactly that. Exactly that.
1: I know. We talk about him way too much, (laughs) given his current (laughs) ranking, but he's already lost. So two tie breaks
0: to Talon Grigspoor. Oh, well, yep. that was a shame. And Stef- Stefano Sissapas as well. He he wants, he would want, he would quite like to, to go deep here, at least get a few match wins. But uh, yeah, he's got Botic van der Zandscholt, the other seed near him. Uh, he got to the semis in Queens, so not going to be easy. And uh, yeah, Shapovalov as well, another player who did really well at, at Wimbledon last year, but has been in a real foul run of form, it feels like, at the, at the moment. Um, Put up an odd post on, on Twitter about. Women not being allowed to into into Queens that people's eyebrow was raised at.
1: Well, I mean, apparently, because Queens is a private members' club, it, it is only men uh, only, which I I didn't really hadn't twigged that before. Um, but then I think someone said that there are female members, so I I don't really want to comment if I don't know the situation. Um, however, I do think if it is only men only, then I I agree with Chapovalov in the sense I don't think that's very fair. But, um, yes, I think that does cause a bit of uh, engagement on Twitter, shall we say. (laughs) Um, But we've also, yeah, got uh, obviously Eastbourne happening. Uh, Cam Norrie is the top seed for the men. Uh, Yannick's in a second seed. And then we've got on the women's side, obviously it's a 500 for the women, 250 for the men. is the top seed for the men. Yabour, second seed. But I mean, there's so many top women uh, in the women's draw. It's always a stacked field down at Eastbourne. Um, and I mean, yeah, I <laughs> literally no idea who's winning that, to be quite honest with you. Alison Risk's already out. Uh, Harriet Dahl got a win today, which was good. But quite frankly, I think there's, I mean, Yabour, well, Jabour, sorry, you she said she's out of the singles. Um, I think Coco Goff could be a yeah. or yes, or her dad Meyer. Will her dad Meyer make it three on the trot? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, very, very true. And uh, you know, in the men's draw as well. I mean, yeah, you're just speaking about Yannick Sinner uh, this week. Yannick Sinner, uh, it was come, it came out that he's working with Darren Cahill. Um, mm. So uh, they, I think, had their first sort of meeting time together in person. Um, this week so uh, that's an interesting partnership to see if that kind of continues some sad news I think that Seb Corder um, has pulled out of Wimbledon Um, I think he injured himself today um, and as a result of that he is out of Wimbledon unfortunately I mean he announced himself what he got to the quarterfinals uh, on his debut last season or the fourth round I forget but yeah, sad to see that he's won't be there. We do also, Kim, finally on the WTA side have Bad Homburg. We we always laugh when we hear that name, don't we? Because we're like, where is the good Homburg?
1: Where's the good Ham? uh oh, Good Homburg? <laughs> and where is I wanna say Hamburg. It's it's mm. really difficult to say. Um Bad Homburg, which is different to Hamburg. Um <laughs> yeah, Kasatkina's top seed there. Uh Benchich, well, Benchich won't be playing, I would assume, uh, because of the injury, um, so I think she's been replaced uh, with Corpatch, uh, who's a German player. Uh, Garcia got a win yesterday there already, so yeah. Um, Simona Halep is is there, which I think is slightly um, slightly strange, having the fact that she's played Birmingham to then fly back over to Germany to then come back to anyway. Um I guess it depends where you can where you can get in. Katie Swan doing quite well though. She qualified, didn't she? And beat Sloan Stevens in the first round. So good win for uh, for British hopes. Um yeah, we'll be back I guess later on this week once the Wimbledon draw is out. We'll know a bit more about what's going on with the final round of warm-up tournaments as well to kind of give some updates, although not the full update, I suppose, because the finals are usually on the Saturday, aren't they? Uh, we'll probably be recording Friday uh, after the draw has been announced. So, yeah, I'm waiting to see if Rafa's going to be there, waiting to see how his foot is and um, also what side of the draw he's going to be in. Um, and then I'll make my plans for next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because we've speak, just speaking about all those draws, arguably the the... The most packed draw is is, is at Hurlingham, which is an ex- mm. exhibition event in London that some of the top players play. And it sounds like it's got a bumper field this year with Nadal, Djokovic. I uh, think Alcaraz Ademois might think Al- be there. Alcaraz. Alcaraz. Um, quite a few. Raducanu, I think. Mm. I think
1: Emma's playing as well.
0: Mm. So um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to see we'll have to see how all the action unfolds this week. But yeah, as Kim said, we will be back on Friday for our Wimbledon draw preview. So listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this tour catch up with Tennis Weekly. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action on the ATP and WTA Tours on whatever device you listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
1: And you can follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. Or if you prefer, you can email us tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. So do let us know if you've got any queries or feedback. Uh, We love to hear from everyone uh, and all our lovely listeners. So do get in touch. Uh, And don't forget to check out our website as well. www.tennisweekly.co.uk
0: And we will be back on Friday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our Wimbledon draw preview. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.